0: Let us pray. Lord, we come to you in this time. And in what can seem like a a gloomy, dark day is turned into a glorious one by you, O Lord. We are grateful that you chose to humble yourself and give yourself up to the cross. And so we come to this time on this Good Friday and we remember your sacrifice for us. We are grateful for all that you have done, so that when you call us to love you with all of our hearts and soul and mind and strength, we have no excuse. Not only have you done it, but you have empowered us to do it. So bless us in this time as we think about loving you with our strength, that we may honor you with our lives. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, we have indeed been going through the series, Loving the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And so today we come to talk about loving God with our strength. When I was in high school, I would, during the summers, I would work for my dad. My dad was a painter, and he, near the end of his work life, he worked on boats down at Terminal Island. He would go and he would paint and varnish the boats. So I would go in summer so I could make some extra money. Now the challenge was that when I was younger, in high school, I didn't have the skill to do the painting and to to do the varnishing. So I got the wonderful job of sanding all day. So for eight hours a day, five days a week, 40 hours a week, I sanded boats. Now just imagine that for a second. It's summer, so you can imagine the, the kind of heat that you're in. And then on top of that, what you get to do all day, every day is sand. I remember the one time when my dad started to teach me how to varnish, and every once in a while I'd get a break from sanding, and I'd get to varnish a little bit of the boat here and there. But I remember that time as very hard work, but also very satisfying and gratifying work. At the end of the day, I knew that I earned every dollar that I received, because I worked hard for it. You see, working hard has a sense of accomplishment. But what if that work you do also not only has accomplishment, but has purpose as well? For example, one of my most meaningful times is going to Mexico regularly. And I remember a time a number of years ago, I got to go and we built a house for a family, which was really nice. I, I really enjoyed doing that. But there was another time that we went and we decided not to build a whole new house. We decided to kind of revamp their house. So let me give you a picture of this for a moment. It was two bedrooms, but it sat on dirt. And so you can imagine when it rained, what happened is that dirt turned into mud. That was the floor of their house, dirt and then mud when it rained. And then they had no windows in the house, and the roof leaked, and so we came in and we said, okay, we're going to fix up this house. It's still going to be their house, still going to be the same structure, but we're going to fix it up. So we redid the roof, we put windows in, and then this was the, the most wonderful thing. We put a cement foundation on this house. So day one, or one of the days, we lifted up somehow, we lifted up half of the house, and we poured a foundation until it dried, right? So the next day we lowered that side of the house, and then we raised the other side of the house, and we poured the other side of the foundation, and then when it dried, we lowered the house, and then we had extra cement, and so we put another second door in their house, so they had two doors, and then we made a little connection, a little walkway from one door to the other of cement, i got to tell you, there was something about fixing up an already existing house that was even more satisfying than actually building a whole new house for a family. And it was such a great um, feeling of accomplishment to do not only hard work, but work that you felt like served a purpose and really blessed God's children. While worshiping God in church is good, And singing praise to Him is equally good. God loves it just as well when we break a sweat and when we use our strength, the strength of our bodies, to serve Him. We love with our hearts as we love the things and people that God loves. We love with our soul when we allow God to touch us in the depths of our being by appreciating the nature around us and God's Spirit within us. We love with our minds. We will allow what we learn to bring glory to God and to benefit those around us. But finally, we are also called to love God with all of our strength. Love can really be shown in the giving of our strength. When uh, Tammy and I first got married, we—I don't know if you guys did this when you got married—but we we started divvying up chores. Did you ever do that? Figure out who's going to do what. Right? She isn't a cook. I'm gonna clean the dishes. She'll maybe clean some in the inside of the house, and I would do like the sweeping and the cleaning in the outside of the house. So we started divvying up work. You do this, I do this. And there was a great sense of accomplishment, knowing that we were working together, giving our full strength to benefit one another. You see, Christianity is meant isn't meant to be a noun, it's meant to be a verb. It is meant to be something that we do. As God gives us God ideas that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, these ideas will fall dead unless we put our strength into it and we start to work it out with our bodies, with our strength. Remember in one of his parables, Jesus looked at the the servant and he said, well done, good and faithful servant. He was praising him for what he had done with the talents and the gifts that God had given him. Two weeks ago, we also talked about how we are all creative. Now, you might not always feel creative. You might maybe not feel creative at all. But we are all creative, because we have been created by a creative God, and we are created in the image of that God. We're created in so many ways. But sometimes we don't seek to be creative because sometimes it's really hard to be creative. You have to put forth a lot of extra work, right? A lot of extra thought. You have to really work at being creative. Thomas Edison once observed that creativity is 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration. Really, it is. You have to put in work to be creative. Prayer is a big part of receiving our God ideas Also, should be a big part in leading us to live out that God idea. Mark Batterson, in his book Primal, says this pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. And be persistent when you move forward on your God idea. We are the hands and feet and mouths of God. It has been said that it takes 10,000 hours of practicing something to become an expert. Think about that. 10,000 hours of practicing something to become an expert. I don't know who figured that out, but someone did. And if that's the case, then shouldn't we put that kind of effort and energy and strength and persistence to our God ideas? God gives you a God idea, and God gives me a God idea. And what we have to do is we have to say, okay, God, I need to put this into practice, but it's going to take some work, it's going to take some effort, it's going to take some failing, it's going to take some getting others involved. We have to work longer and work harder for that to become a reality. How many of our God ideas never come to fruition, not because they weren't good ideas, but because we quit before we actually got them to the place where they came to fruition? Along with God ideas, God gives us dreams. Now, I'm not talking about the dreams like, I'll play point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers someday. I mean, that, I think that dream's gone. <laughs> you know, that's just not going to happen anymore. I'm not talking about those kinds of dreams. I'm talking about a dream that will God, glorify God with the God-given gifts and talents that God has given me for his purpose. When it comes to our dreams, we need to have a why-not approach to life. A one-not approach leads us to not give up on our dream or make excuses why our dream can't happen. Sometimes we're afraid to do the wrong thing, we're afraid to fail, and so we never do the right thing that God is leading us to do. But sometimes it takes failing a number of times before you actually get the understanding, the wisdom, the strength, the, the ability, the right formula to make it happen. Or maybe... Uh, an idea you had that failed leads to an idea that actually becomes a success. And you would never have had that second idea had you not had that first idea and failed at it. Now, the other problem with carrying out our dreams that God gives us is we try to analyze it. I mean, sometimes we overanalyze things, right? In fact, we, we analyze it so much that we say, well, I can't get to it until I'm done analyzing, right? Right? We're actually fooling ourselves, thinking that you're actually going to get to it at some point, but really you're not wanting to get to it, you're just wanting to think about it a lot. And so therefore, we don't start to put effort into our God dream. Maybe you can't understand why God is calling you to do something or how he will make it work. See, the problem is that God's will is not always logical. It's actually theological. It's not logical because we try to figure out what God's going to do and how God's going to do it, but God goes beyond our reality, beyond our understanding, and he does things sometimes that, that are beyond what we can ever imagine or dream until it actually comes to be, and then we look back and we go, oh, that's how you're going to do it, God. I never imagined that, right? And so we try to figure it out, and in our analyzing it, it keeps us from doing it, and then we can't make it happen because we never start. If we open ourselves up to the promptings of the Spirit, it will often lead us to do things we might not consider doing ourselves. That is sometimes why people do follow through on their dreams. It didn't come from them, it came from God. They don't think that they can do it on their own, because they can't. They need God's help, God's strength, and God's power to make it happen. Some of the most powerful things that have happened in the kingdom of God happened because people stepped out of their comfort zone and they trusted God and they walked forward in faith. World Missions puts out a book every year. Um, it's full of a book of every page is a different uh, missionary experience, uh, what happened in their world missions. And so it's, it's a whole book every day. You turn each day and you read about a missionary and what they experienced, what they did, And the wonderful work that they're doing for the Lord. Well, one example in this book was a missionary couple um, was floating down this river on a boat, and they were going to a particular place, but then they just felt the prompting of the Spirit, and they said to the boat driver, Let us off right here. And the boat driver looked at him like, This is very dangerous country. Like, God told us to go here, drop us off here right now, right in the middle of cannibal country. Well, to make a long story short, they made a convert of a man named Jasper Toe. And he ended up starting hundreds of Assemblies of God churches in Liberia. All because they followed the prompting of the Holy Spirit and said, we didn't imagine this, but God is telling us to do this now, so drop us off right here in the middle of cannibal country, and we just trust God that he's going to do something here. And because of that, Jasper became a Christian and started hundreds Assemblies of God Churches in Liberia. James tells us, faith without works is dead. The problem with being afraid to act is that we won't accomplish what God has for us to do. We don't act because we don't want to fail. Do you think God wants us to say to him at the end of our lives, I didn't do that, God, because I was afraid I would fail? I mean, do you really want to look God eye to eye and say, God, I was afraid I didn't do it because I thought I would fail? Even though you told me to do it, you told me that you'd be behind me, you told me you'd strengthen me, you told me you'd give me the resources, but still I was scared and I didn't do it, God. I don't think we want to say that to God. Remember the parable of the talents? The master got angry at the servant who buried his talent because he was afraid to lose it. God wants us to use the gifts and talents that he has given us to fulfill his will for our lives and his will for the kingdom of God. He gives us these gifts and talents to fulfill our God-ideas and our God-guided dreams. Righteousness goes beyond doing right things. Righteousness is living out the will of God for your life. It is using all of your God-given gifts to their God-full potential. It is using your strength to show the love of God. The Greek word for strength means the opposite of the word apathy. Those who are apathetic have no drive to do anything. Those who live for God with their strength are always looking at how they can live for God, how they can serve God, how they can love others in wonderful and special ways. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, He who began a good work in you is the one who will carry it on to completion. We have to remember that when we became Christians, we were made new creatures. We're given the heart of God and the mind that can understand the mysteries of God and a soul that experiences the depth of God. God then gives us ideas and dreams to help us live out this good work that he has for us to live. But we forget that it comes from God. God wants us to be success because it comes from him. He wants it to happen. God will give us the power and the skill and the ability and the resources to make it happen. God will be the one who will lead it to completion. Example, uh, seven years ago, a friend of mine was going through a hard time, and she called me up and she said, I just really need to talk. And so I talked with her for a while, and then I said, you know, I'm going to try to encourage you, okay? I'm going to give you a little bit of encouragement each day. And so I started sending her a verse and a really brief prayer. Each day, a verse and a little prayer, a verse and a little prayer. Each day, I'd send it to her. And I don't even remember how this happened, but somehow along the way, that verse and that prayer expanded and became what is known now as my daily Bible reading. It grew to the point to where I was sending it out to about 200 people, and then I went to Lakewood, and and I started sending it to people in that church, and then I came here, and now we send it to everybody in our church every day that goes along with the sermon. That God idea happened way back when, and now it's been so fun. I mean, I meet people, and I'll talk with them, and maybe they say, well, I believe, or I want to believe, or I want to read the Bible, but I don't. And I said, well, you know, can I add you to my daily Bible reading list? And they said, well, what's that? And so I explained it to them. I said, I just send out a verse and, you know, a little thought and a little story. It's like a couple paragraphs. And they're like, okay, yeah, you can add me to that. And, Time and time and time again, I'm able to add people to my list and enable people to read the Word of God who wouldn't normally be reading the Word of God. And I just trust that God will bless people through that. And every once in a while, I'll get an email back from someone, and they'll just say, thank you, Pastor, for sending that to me, or thank you for your daily, or I really like this, or, you know, it's just so fun to get a little word of encouragement how it's blessing people in their lives. And you send it out and you just say, I trust God. God, you're going to use this. You're going to make this be wonderful. Oftentimes, God's leading us to love Him with our strength, and it will come from something that we don't even think about at first or, or some situation that's not the best. And, and God says, I'm going to put you into that situation. And you're going to make that situation better. Or you're going to help that person. You're going to encourage them. Or you're going to do this. Or you're going to do that. And God puts that thought into your head. And then God does wonderful things in that. And you and I get to play a part in the kingdom of God. In growing the kingdom of God. We're enthralled with the idea of power. There are many powerful things in our world. One area where we have become powerful is in our weaponry, right? I mean, one of the most powerful weapons we have is nuclear weapons, right? Right? Years back, the atomic bomb, I'm sure we still remember Hiroshima, Japan, 1942, the terrible devastation from that. We've seen nuclear power in Chernobyl and other places where just terrible things have happened because of that great power. Now we have threats like North Korea threatening to to use nuclear power on other nations. However, all that energy and all that power is nothing to compare to the creator of this world. God is the one who created that power. God is the one who is over all of that power. He is more powerful than anything we can imagine or anything that we possess. Ephesians 1, 18 to 21 says this. Paul says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come we read this passage and we get a small glimpse of the power of God. It talks about the power to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul hopes that we would see that power, experience that power, and display that power in and through our lives. What kind of power did Paul say he had? Incomparably great power. We cannot imagine The power that God is capable of. So think about what you and I could accomplish if we really, truly seek the Lord, let him empower us with his spirit, with his power, and we go out in his name with his power, and we together do the work that God calls us to do. We can do anything that God helps us to imagine. We're not limited when we include God in our lives, in our church, in our ministry. Instead of focusing on what I can attain, I should be focusing on what God wants to attain through me. The truth is, even when it comes to loving God, our focus should be on God. Loving God with all of our strength actually means to love God with all of the strength that he gives me to love him with. It's not what I can do for God, but what God can do in and through me. With God working in and through me, I can have the strength beyond my natural strength. Ability. I can overcome my sinfulness. I can overcome my doubts. I can overcome my fears. The best that I can do now becomes the best that God can do. Did you guess that? The best that I can do now is the best that God can do in and through my life. I now have infinite possibilities of what I'm capable of doing for God because I am no longer limited by my human power. When you add God's divine power to our human effort, it equals supernatural capabilities. We're called to love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, but the truth is that we can't love God in and of ourselves. We can only respond to God's love for us. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because He first loved us. What we do in our lives, showing God we love Him through our heart and soul and mind and strength, is a reflection and a response to what God has done for us. Romans 12.1 says, Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. We are called to receive God's love, and we are called to distribute that love to others, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. The more of God's love we receive, the more love we have to give away. Right? Think of yourself as, you know, you see the, the fountain going over, right? And then you have the little the catchway right there, and then after a while, it gets filled up, and then what happens? The water starts to spill over, doesn't it? And then if it's designed right, it spills over to another one where it has a pump that sends it back up and it continually goes around. And that's kind of what it's like. God fills us so much that we can't contain it anymore, and it just spills out from us. And then God keeps filling us, and it spills out, and God keeps filling us. The more we seek and receive God's love, the more we have to give away. You might notice that whenever a minister or a deacon or an elder are ordained, one of the things that happens is they kneel down and then what happens? People lay hands on them, don't they? There's something powerful about having someone lay hands on you and pray for you. I, I, I have to tell you that one of the most profound experiences in my life when I got ordained and I had people laying hands on me and praying for God's power and God's presence and God's anointing to be in my life. This is also done when you pray for healing for others. Oftentimes you pray for healing and you you lay hands on them. Something about touching others in the name of, in the name of God allows us to be conduits of the power of God. Somehow, in this mystery of how God designed everything, God allows us to be a conduit to, to share his power with others. Back in my time at the church in Long Beach, we had a member whose name was Margaret Jones. And I got a call one night that Margaret was in the hospital, and the doctors had said there's nothing else they could do. The family had gathered, and they called me, and they said, would you come to the hospital and pray for the family, and pray with the family, and pray for Margaret, and pray with the family. So I remember going to the hospital, and I'm driving in my car, and I'm thinking, okay, she's... Dying, right? And the family's there, and I'm trying to think, okay, what words do I have to share with this family in this time? What am I going to pray for Margaret when I pray for her? So I get to the hospital, and, and the family's all gathered there, and it's very solemn, because you know, they're thinking their mother is dying. And so I talked with them a little bit, and I prayed with them, and then I went into the room, and it was really kind of eerie. I mean, the the hospital had the lights really low. It was really dark. And she was laying in the bed. And I was like, wow. What an experience, you know. They called me to, to, to be here. And I remember I didn't have any perfect words to say. I just remember putting my hands maybe, I don't know, six inches above her body and just walking back and forth on her bed just praying, asking God to be with her if it was her time to take her, if it was not for him to heal her. Just ask God to be present in the situation. And it was a real honor for me in that sense to be in that situation. And so I went back out. I said goodbye to the family. Let me know, you know what happens tomorrow. Tomorrow came, and she didn't die. In fact, she had gotten better. So much so that they moved her out of ICU and into her room. And then the next thing I know, they moved her to a rehab place. And she was there. And so I remember visiting her there and giving her communion. And it took about three months, but she got completely better. And in fact, I don't know, she's what? She, that was when she was 80. I think she's about 92 now, 95. I don't even know. She's somewhere in her 90s. Still going strong. Amazing woman. But it, what? an honor that was, to share the power of God in that sense, to pray over her and see God heal her. It's a very powerful experience. One of the most powerful biblical truths comes from the simplest of songs, right? Jesus loves me, this I know. The song can be a little trite because we, we know it so well, we sing it so much, You know, we call it a children's song, but it's really a powerful, meaningful song. It has a powerful theological truth. I can't do on my own what God has called me to do. I can't even love God except for the love that he loves me with and the love he gives me to love him back and to love others. You ever had a situation where you had to love someone that was really difficult to love? I know, I've had situations like that, and I have to say, God, you have to give me the love I need to love this person the way they need to be loved. Because they are difficult, for whatever reason, they are difficult for me to love. And what an amazing experience it is when God actually does put that kind of love in you, and you can reach out to that person, and you can love them in a very meaningful, sincere, and powerful way. Why See, God never calls us to do what we're not capable of doing because God only calls us to do what he empowers us to do. And Jesus never ta- asked us to do anything that he himself didn't do first, right? Look at all the things that Jesus did and then look at all the things that Jesus commands us to do and tells us to do and you look that Jesus did all these things first. And then he says, and then I'm going to send my spirit, and my spirit's going to live in you and going to empower you and guide you and instruct you and inform you and enable you to do what I call you to do. When we try to manage God, which we do often, when we try to manage God, we limit our understanding of God and our love for God. When we do this, he is no bigger than our minds. He's no bigger than what we think him to be. When we let God work in and through us, we begin to experience his power, his love, and our love for him deepens, our understanding of him deepens, deepens, and we are able to really begin to think that God is really who he really is, who the Bible really claims him to be. But we have our doubts and we limit God, but we have to open our mind and say, God, I don't want to know you and I don't want to believe in you and I don't want to understand you and what my mind can understand. I want to understand you for who you really are and I want to know what you really can do. Today is Good Friday. It is the day that Jesus suffered and was crucified. It was the day God showed his love for us with all of his strength. Every ounce of his strength was given for us on the cross. He sacrificed himself for us so that we could have newness of life. But even more, so that we could truly love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Without the cross, we would not be able to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength because we would still be lost in our sin. Our connection with God deepens when we imagine God to be who he truly is. And our Our mind and our lives will exceed our wildest expectation when we receive the fullness of God's love into our life and understand what he truly has done for us on the cross. With his strength in us, we can then love him and others with even more strength. May we take to heart this day the love of God for us. We're told in 1 John 4, 19, we love Because he first loved us. Love shows in this way, right? He gave his life for us. May we remember Jesus spreading out his hands and dying on the cross for our sins. But also so that we could love God and we could love others the way we are